We are in James. Specifically, we are in James chapter 4, and we will be looking at verses 1 through 10 tonight. I'm going to go ahead and read the entire passage, and then we're going to dive in verse by verse and see what God wants to share with us tonight. So please join me in James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So let's go all the way back to verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from, the, from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, if you'll remember, James is talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to people who have not chosen to follow Jesus. He is talking to the church of Jesus Christ. And he said that our wars and our fights come because of our desire for pleasure. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we were looking at chapter 2 of James. Having desires is not a bad thing. Please don't hear from me tonight that if you want something, <laughs> you're bad. <laughs> Fail. That is not the object of this message tonight. But we must examine to see if our desires line up with the word of God. A desire for pleasure is fighting within us for the ability to conceive sin in us. Because if you'll think back and remember in James chapter 2, we read and we learned that there is something that is inside of us, temptation. That when we give in to temptation, it conceives sin. And that when sin is fullborn, it gives birth to death. But that's not what we're going to be doing today. We are going to be looking at what our desires are, and we're going to examine our wants. So first, let's look and see what lust is. Um, lust is a strong desire for something. Um, full disclosure, where are my sisters at in the room? Who has a strong desire for chocolate? Yes, thank you. I appreciate that response. Admittedly, my um, strong desire for chocolate is stronger at certain times of the month than other times of the month. Um, but it's good all of the time. But sometimes it's better than others. Um, true story, yesterday or maybe the day before, I was eating some Reese's Pieces and I didn't want my children to know. <laughs> That I was eating, it was actually a Reese's peanut butter cup, not the, not the candies, but the Reese's cup. Oh, they're so good. You're like, you know, you just nibble off the chocolate around, and then you peel the chocolate off the top with your teeth, and then you eat the peanut butter because it just makes the pleasure last longer. And so I had like a pack. I had five of them. And they're like, Mama, I literally opened my laundry room door and like threw them in the laundry room and closed the door real fast because I did not want to share because I have a strong desire for chocolate sometimes. But in all seriousness, lust, 
to have a strong desire for something, it sometimes can cloud your judgment. I know some of you might be thinking, was your judgment clouded yesterday as you were sneaking around from a nine and seven-year-old? Maybe. But sometimes lust, it causes us to forget logic and to do things that we would normally not do in a pursuit of something that we may never actually attain. When I was in my 20s, I had the opportunity to uh, lead a high school. And in getting ready to lead that high school, I went and visited other high schools. And so I walked into an office to meet a fellow administrator who was going to share some best practices of how to run the particular school that I was going to be a part of. Have you ever met someone and just immediately, oh wait, side note, this is before I was married. I was not married at the time of this story. Continuing back to the story. Have you ever met someone and you know that there is an immediate attraction with that person? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to nod your head yes. But if you are human, I know the answer. So I met this man and I remember immediately checking to see if there was a ring on his finger because I am a daughter of the king. And hello, I am not going to set my affection on someone if they have a ring on their finger. So I meet him. I immediately check his left hand. And there it is a ring. So I don't think much more about it because he's a married man. He is a colleague. I will get to learn some things from him. Let's go on with the rest of our lives. Well, we continue to have interactions because again, he is running a school that's going to be very similar to the school that I'm going to be running. And we end up at a same convention in San Diego, which is an amazing place. I love it. And so while we're there, I realized that um, he had not only caught my eye, but I had caught his eye. And I thought, oh, well, okay, well, this is different because I can't do anything with this because this man is married. Fast forward, those of you that are freaking out right now going, did I have an affair with a married man? I did not. I did not. Was I tempted to have an affair with a married man? I was. Because when we lust for something, our logic can get clouded in that we would do things that we would not normally do. But can someone say, thank God for the Holy Spirit? Because that is what spared me. It was the voice of the Holy Spirit waking me up one morning saying, choose life that you may live. And I am so thankful for the word of God. Why do we study the word, the specific word of God when we come together at sisterhood? Because it goes into your heart. And as it goes into your heart, it goes and it finds a place that when you need it, the Holy Spirit says, this is the word that you need and pulls it back up to help direct your steps so that you can choose life and live. Amen. So lust, it is a strong desire for something, but it does not have to have mastery over you. To covet is to yearn to possess something. It's in the Ten Commandments. Do not covet what your neighbor has, which means really, 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 really want it, want it bad, more than you want them to have it. That is not what God has for us. James 4.2 says... You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. In the Amplified, it says you are jealous and covet what others have, and your desires go unfulfilled, so you become murderers. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. And 1 John 3.15 tells us that whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Whoa, Portia. Murder? Hatred? Really? It seems like you're kind of going overboard a little bit. Sin is nothing to play with. And Jesus told us that the things that we think in our heart are the things that are going to come out of our mouth. The things that we think in our heart are the same as actually doing them. 
I know, I know, I know. That feels very uncomfortable, right? But please don't take this as a boom, boom, don't do that. Take it as the Holy Spirit saying, I see that and I want to help you. I see that and I want to take that out of your heart because I have better for you. Amen? If what you want begins to consume all of your thoughts or suck the joy out of celebrating when others received what you wanted, it's time to examine the motives of your heart. It might show up in your girlfriend just got that great guy. He's perfect. He sends her flowers. He sends her chocolate. Hello. He takes her on great dates. He's amazing. He likes her parents. She likes his parents. They get married. They end up having a baby. They go on a great baby moon. They buy a new house. They have all these great things. And you were excited for her at first. And then you went, oh, they're, they're having a baby. Hooray. Oh, you're going on vacation again. I'm so happy for you. And then you find in your heart that you're really not happy for your friend because you realize this is what I wanted. This is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been asking for. I actually serve at my church in the jobs that nobody wants to serve. Because sometimes we on accident do things because we think we're going to curry the favor of God. But you have God's favor because you're his kid, period. So then you find yourself going, oh, I think I hate her. And I know we would never say it out loud. If you have said it out loud, there is repentance that is available for you. Let's not hate our sisters. Let's not hate our brothers because they received the things that we desperately wanted. Instead, let's ask ourselves, why do I want this thing? Why do I want this person? Why do I want this status? Why do I want this job? Why do I want you fill in the blank? You know what you want. You know what you desire. Is it because you want people to think well of you? Is it because that you want to strut around with an amazing man on your arm? Is it because you want people to ooh and awe about how perfect your child is? Is it because you want people to walk into your home and say, wow, you're really blessed? None of those things in and of themselves are wrong. The relationship, the child, the new job, the position, the house, none of those things are wrong until it comes into a place that you desire that thing more than you desire God that you desire that thing more than you desire the good for your brother or your sister, that you desire that thing so much that you can't even talk to God about anything else because you just want the thing. And James tells us that the things that we want, we don't get because we're asking amiss, because our motives are wrong. Sisters, I'm asking that we would examine our motives tonight. James 4.3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So how do we examine our motives? If your motives do not line up with God's intentions for you, they've become the end goal rather than God himself. God is the great I am. All that you need and all that you ever will need. But Portia, I need a job. I understand that you need a job. I'm lonely and I desire companionship. I understand that. I've had three miscarriages and I have desperately asked God to give me a child. I hear you. But what I am saying to us tonight is that we will desire God above everything else that we would think that we want in this life because he is our great I am. He is all that we ever will need. In fact, I would like to issue a challenge. If we pursue God with everything that is within us, if we are in his word, if we are listening to his voice, if we are following Jesus, I bet that you will find not that your desires go away, but that they shift 
and they align with what God has for you. And you might be surprised to find out that what God has for you is actually something that was in your heart and was for him. It just was in the wrong timing. Next, we want to realign our desires. And realignment comes by going back to God's word. It's powerful. It's alive. It changes us. It's not about us trying to change God. It is about God's word changing us. Have you noticed that you could read a verse over and over and over again, and then the next time that you read it, it hits you in a completely different way than the first time that you read it or the first time that you heard it? It's because it is alive, because it adjusts to what you need in that moment, in that season right now. God's word is powerful, and it is how we are able to realign our desires. Psalms 37.4 tells us, that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, that he will give us the desires of our heart. And delighting ourselves in the Lord is not for the sake of getting what we want. Delighting ourselves in the Lord is being thankful for what God has done. And sometimes I fully admit, I go back to, God, thank you that I woke up this morning. God, I thank you that the sun is hanging in the sky. God, I thank you that my house has heat in it. But thank you that this winter has been mild. God, I thank you that I have a car to get into with gas in it. I thank you that my children are healthy. I thank you that my husband comes home every day. God, I thank you that I'm a part of a body of believers that <laughs> spur me on to good works and holiness. Ladies, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we are telling God, thank you for what you have done. Because then it begins to remind you that he is really, really good and that he has done amazing things for you. And if he has done great things for you, and I forgot the most important, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. If he has done that, I'm pretty confident that he's going to continue to look out for me. I'm pretty confident that he's going to take care of me. Now, the next thing in delighting ourselves in the Lord, we need to be honest with him. Sometimes we don't tell God what's in our heart and what we desire because we think that our desire is wrong or we think that God doesn't care or we think he's not going to do it anyway, so why waste his time? Um, He's God. He knows, so we might as well tell him. Amen? So be honest with God about your desires and give them to him. God, you see this desire that I have in my heart. Lord, I ask that you would direct my steps. I ask that if this is what your will is for my life, that it would come to pass. But I submit it to you. When Clinton and I were dating, I tried to be super, super spiritual. (laughs) Because I heard the Lord clearly say to me, Portia, do you want this man? And I was all, Um, I only want him if you want me to want him, but if you don't want me to want him, then I don't want him. Silence from the Lord. Then, do you want this man? And I pondered it, and I thought about it, and I think it was about a day later, I came back before the Lord, and I said, God, yes, I want this man. And it was like the Lord just said, Okay, now mind you, in the timeline of the life of Portia and Clinton Allen, it was months and months and months and months before that man proposed to me. But the Lord asked me, is this the one you want? Yes, God, this is the one I want. Portia, are you telling me that God will ask me what I want? I am telling you that if you will delight yourself in the Lord, it delights the Lord to know what is in your heart. Think about the relationships that you have. Think about your friendships. When you hear your friend just in passing say, man, I love whatever. I really enjoy this type of tea. I really enjoy this scent. I really love when I get to have my nails done. I really love going to the salon. And then you just make a note in the back of your mind, and then later you make that happen for your friend. If our friends do that for us, how much more will our perfect heavenly father move on our behalf when we share with him the desires of our heart? 
when we delight ourselves in the Lord, it is not about getting what we want. It is about truly communing with God. Tell God what you want. Communicating with our Father with thankfulness and openness brings us closer to him, even if his answer is no or not yet. Because when you delight yourself in the Lord and have a relationship with him and are sharing what you would like to have, and he says, I hear you, but no. Because you have come close to him, you know that you can trust him. And you know that his plan for you is good. When we continue in James chapter 4, looking at verse 4, it says, oh wait, I need to go back. No, this is the one. Adulterers and adulteresses. Those are, those are bad names to be called. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Enmity is a state or feeling of active opposition or hostility. Y'all, I do not want to be an enemy of God. And I think sometimes in the church today, in Big C Church, because there are things in our culture that are normal, we have become friends with the world and we don't even recognize it. We have allowed things to come into our life and we don't even see them as being opposed to the things of God because this is what we do. This is how we work. This is how we talk. This is how we dress. This is how we text. This is how we post. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> Friendship with the world is affection, fondness, or love for the world. I'm not talking about the people in the world. I'm not talking about our fellow brothers and sisters who have yet the name, name the name of Jesus. I'm talking about the things of the world, the practices of the world, the habits of the world. Those are the things that I am asking the Lord, show me, God. What are the things in my life that I have allowed to creep in? Because the world is darkness, but Jesus is light. The world is fear, but Jesus is love. The world takes, but Jesus gives. I don't want to be a friend with the world. I want to be a friend with the people in the world, but I don't want the world to dictate how I live, how I think, how I go about my life. And according to what James has just told us, that is not what God has for us either. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Hear me, I am not saying that you cannot be friends with people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I am asking you to look at who are your close circle of confidants? Who are the people that you allow to influence the attitudes of your mind and your heart? Who are the people that you allow to speak into your life and you listen to what they are saying? And if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, like you have a relationship with Jesus, you need to check what they say to you. Because the people that are closest to you, the things that are saying to you, they need to be lined up with what the word of God says. Side note, we're talking to believers here. You need to check what your girlfriends say too, right? Because sometimes the best of intentions, I can miss it and be wrong. If I ever stand before you or we're standing in the lobby or we're talking in the bathroom, because, you know, conversations happen in the bathroom, and it doesn't line up with the word of God, you need to just throw out of your mind what I have just said to you, right? There is in Acts, there is a group of people called the Bereans. Everything they heard from the apostles, they went back to the Holy Scriptures to see if what they were taught was true according to God's word. Pastor Rob is an amazing man of God. I know that he would have no problem whatsoever if we take his messages and look back at God's word and go, yes, this does line up. Yes, I will tithe because this is a principle that is from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. Yes, I will love my neighbor. That's a challenge for us. 
Let's not just take it at face value because someone that we like and someone that we know is serving God has said it. Let's go back to God's word and see if it lines up with what God's word says because we are examining our motives. We are realigning our desires. And then our lives are made different when we follow Jesus. Our lives are made different when we follow Jesus. God's plan for you may not be what you have in mind, but you can trust that it is good. Psalms 119.68, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite verses. You are good, this is talking about God, and do only good. Teach me your decrees. James goes on to say in verse 5, Or do you think that Scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Now, before you freak out and think, what? God is jealous. He is, but not in the jealous way that you were thinking. God does not want to share us or our desires with anything or anyone. Well, Portia, that sounds kind of, uh, what's the word? When clingy, that sounds kind of not healthy. God of the universe knows what we need. And he knows that if our desires are divided, if our affections are divided, that we will come up empty every single time. So he jealously yearns for us because he knows that he is the only one that can truly fulfill us. He knows that he is the only one that can cause us to have everlasting peace. He is the only one that can cause us to have joy. It is God who is able to fill us to overflowing. That is why he jealously yearns for you. If it seems like doors are closing around you, could it be that the Lord is trying to get your attention and say, I want you to focus on me and me only. I want your undivided attention so that I can heal you. I want your undivided attention so that I can love you. I want your undivided attention so I can give back to you what the enemy stole from you. Because when we do that, y'all, the things that God has for us are amazing. So after we realign our desires, we draw near to God. James 4, 7 says, submitting to God means to obey him. When we obey God, we can resist the devil. We can resist the devil. He is real. He is out there. He is evil. He does want to steal, kill, and destroy you. Ha <laughs> ha! But we can resist the devil. Because when the enemy sees you choosing to obey God, relying on God more than yourself, and actively opposing everything he throws at you, he will flee. Because he recognizes, oh, I can't mess with that sister because I know she's going to go back to God's word. I can't lie to her because I know that she's going to line it up with God's word. It says, I can't go and trick her because she's like Jesus. And is going to come back at me and say, the word says it is written. Amen? This is why we continue to stay in God's word. James 4, 8 and 9. Oh, draw near to God. And he will draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I like to say that God is really bad at hide and seek. Because if God is the one hiding, as soon as we begin to seek him with our whole heart, which if you're playing hide and seek, you might as well be all in. I mean, hello. Who plays hide and seek? Well, when you play with little kids, you kind of. You kind of hold back because they don't hide very well at all. You see, you're like, I, okay, where are you? <laughs> but I believe that God also is not great at hide and seek because over and over and over again at scripture, it says that if we will seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. As soon as our hearts are turned toward the Lord, I believe that he just goes, here I am. I'm here. 
I'm here, I'm waiting for you to find me because he wants to be a part of our lives. So as we draw near to God, we will have to cleanse our hands because the closer that we get to God, the more aware we are of our shortcomings. The closer that we get to God and we're reading God's word and we're allowing the mirror of his word to show us who we are, the more that we see, ah, I don't measure up. That is not so that you will turn and run and go, I tried. I tried, well, I guess I'm just not going to live this Christian life. No, 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 no. It's so that you can come to him and say, you see my hands. You see the things that are in my life. I repent of the coveting. I repent of the hatred that is in my heart. I repent of wanting something else more than I want you. I repent of the words that I've allowed to come out of my mouth. I repent for not believing that you are the son of God and that you have come to set me free. I repent of believing anything that is contrary to your word. When we come close to God, Yes, we see the things in our life that are not in alignment, not to run away, but so that he can realign us and so that he can make us like himself. We are to lament. Sometimes we laugh at sin and God forgive us when we just go, ha, 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 that's what they did. Sin is not funny. It separates us from God. I'm not fussing at you. I'm fussing at the things that bind us. I'm fussing at the things that trip us up on a regular basis. This is why Hebrews says, let us throw off the weight and the sin that so easily entangles so that we can run with endurance the race that has been set before us. My sisters, I'm telling you today, please don't play with sin. If sin is in your life, lament, repent before God and be set free in the name of Jesus. Because he has called you to be more than a conqueror. He has called you to be the head and not the tail. He has called you to be set free and not bound by the things that have bound you for so long. And we get to be unfettered when we draw near to God. Coming near to God is not scary. Coming near to God sets us free. Coming near to God allows us to have laughter. Coming near to God allows us to be made clean. John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come near to God and we acknowledge our sins, we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And do you know what he will do? Is he going to stomp you and say, that's where you deserve to be, down on the ground? No, he will lift you up. Amen? Because our God is good and our God is faithful and he longs for us to be near to him. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your word. God, I ask that we would examine our wants. Lord, that we would examine our motives and that we would realign according to your word. Lord, I ask that anything that does not line up with your word would be shaken off in the name of Jesus. Anything that doesn't line up, God, I ask that you would show it to us by your Holy Spirit. Spirit, you lead us into truth. Show us the things that need to be realigned so that we can become more like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.